We've got a great guest for you today. It's financial expert Nicole Lappin. But before I get into that, I want to tell you just a little bit about modern fertility. Uh, the traditional guidance with fertility has usually been just wait and see, see if you can get pregnant. But now we have the tools to help us plan and track everything in our lives, finances, careers, school. So why is fertility still wait and see? That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within just 10 days. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. The results go in-depth into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. And also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars toward modern fertility. If you want kids today or maybe one day, you need information to make the decisions that are best for you. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash girlboss. And that means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost to go to a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash girlboss. Modernfertility.com slash girlboss. Hello, Girlboss Radio listeners. This is Sophia Amoruso broadcasting from my little guest bedroom in the midst of a pandemic. And I know all of us are really stressed about money right now. I know I am. Girlboss, as a business is, everybody you know is worried about finance. And this is an incredibly timely episode with finance expert Nicole Lappin. We're going to talk about stocks, 401ks, how we can negotiate our bills, how much we should be asking for off, how long we can defer our payments for, bank fees, credit card fees, phone bills, subscriptions, car payments, rent, parking. These are all things that we should be thinking about as we cut down our personal expenses. We're also going to talk about what this means for small business owners, how we can apply for some of these disaster relief loans, and also how Nicole got her start selling knives as her first job. So stay tuned. We talk about everything from mental health to cutting your expenses as deep as possible right now. Okay, on to the show with Nicole. Nicole, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. How are you? I'm okay. I'm doing the best I can. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, surprisingly, but I'm, you know, taking stock of everything that I have to be grateful for right now and it puts everything into perspective. So if I'm healthy and employed and my team's employed and my dogs are healthy and my family's healthy, then, and I have toilet paper, then I think I'm in good shape. I know. I don't have toilet paper, but I have uh, paper towels and I feel like it's going to be toilet paper pretty soon. Oh my gosh. Are you in LA? I can mail you some. I love you for that. Um, I am actually in Vermont. I left the city. I'm normally in Brooklyn. And then I left a few weeks ago. The man had been watching this stuff for months and he really called it and he's like, we got to get out of here. And so we, we've we been kind of out 
in the boonies for some time now. That sounds like a really smart move. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes it hits you and you're like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? And then, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know, you have a lot of young women you and I both do asking questions and that just gets me through the day and then I don't even know where the day went. So yeah, I think, you know, it hits you at different times. Yeah, it feels really good. That's another thing in terms of how I'm doing is that, you know, you and I, I think both have a lot to share and provide for everybody out there who's dealing with the same thing. And, you know, girl boss is struggling right now. We're applying for these loans. And, you know, there's a lot that I want to chat with you about both on the business side and especially the personal finance side, because that is your jam. And we need that more than ever. So you've had an incredible career. You were the youngest anchor ever at CNN, the youngest anchor ever at CNBC. You've reported for the Today Show and MSNBC. You've been a business anchor for Bloomberg TV, a correspondent for Entertainment Tonight. You're the host of the business reality competition show called Hatched on CBS and contribute to Good Morning America and the Dr. Oz Show. And you have a podcast with iHeartRadio with the editor-in-chief, no big deal, of Entrepreneur Magazine called Hush Money. Um, And you call yourself the only finance expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. Can you tell me what you mean by that? (laughs) Well, first of all, that bio, thank you, makes me sound way cooler than I am. Um, But I didn't grow up in the finance world. I grew up in an immigrant family. So first generation American, like didn't read the Wall Street Journal growing up, just used cash. And I was so freaked out by the language of money growing up. You know, my boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. And I thought he wanted to be in gardening. Like, seriously, he dumped me because I couldn't hang out with his Wall Street friends. Um, And then fast forward like a decade later, they wanted to definitely hang out with me because uh, I was reporting on business news that they were all watching. But I didn't want to do anything with finance. And so I didn't work at a bank. I didn't get my MBA. I just went to the school of hard knocks. Like When I was 18, I got a job on the floor of the Chicago Merck. And uh, the station I was interviewing with asked me if I knew something about business news. And I 100% Sophia just lied. I just totally faked it till I made it. And I was like, absolutely. I love business news all day, every day. And I knew nothing. I broke out into hives thinking about it. And then I realized that money is just a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for that language growing up. So that's why I say you don't need a dictionary to understand me. Because when I was trying to figure out how to speak this language of money, I would look up all these words. And then I would need a definition for that definition. And I was like, this is so complicated. And actually, when you figure it out, it's not that serious. It's like equity is just a fancy word for stock. It's not complicated once you actually can speak it, right? I mean, you've gone through this. Like short is not the opposite of tall. It's the opposite of long. And it just means something's going in the pooper. Like that's it. You don't have to freak out when you know these conversations come up. And my former self would do that. And so when I was talking to old rich white dudes about money on these business networks, I was like, I'm not not talking to my former self, that girl who was smiling and nodding, that girl who got dumped by this guy because she couldn't join a basic money conversation. I want to talk to her. And so that's when Rich Bitch was born. I actually started, I left during the last recession. I left uh, mid-contract from CNBC and I was like, 
the only way to truly recession-proof my life and my business um, because I wasn't furloughed, I wasn't let go, but I could have been. And that was the biggest thing. I left before that happened. Um, And I actually started with a site called Recessionista. And uh, that became the precursor for Rich You need to revive that right now. I know. I know. I couldn't let go of the URL. It goes to my website now. But like a year later, when the recession ended, I thought, oh, yay, the economy, but oh, crap, my business. And so, you know, you pivoted. Like, you, you, you know, that's what you do. You at least have the choice when you're your own boss to figure out um, how you're going to pivot. And that's what we're all doing again now. Yeah. So I forgot to mention you're a New York Times bestseller and you have three master classes. And so I want to give a little kind of cliff's notes of your master classes. Can you tell me what it is that uh, you do with your online master classes? Because I think for those of us that can afford that right now, that's probably a really great investment. Yeah, totally. And we've slashed it. Um, I didn't want anyone who's struggling with money to have to pay to learn about money, but this is a great time to finally get your financial life together. Uh, Rich Bitch came out, gosh, what was it, like six or seven years ago? Um, And it's seen, I think, four editions now, and I've tried to update it as we have gone along through different, you know, Obamacare laws and different, um, you know, updates for retirement and all that stuff. And then I thought, you know, to go beyond that, I wanted to take it online and launch the money school. So the money school goes along with Rich Bitch um, and it has workshops, quizzes, worksheets, all sorts of stuff. So it's basically like, no excuse that we didn't learn this in school. I mean, we learned the most ridiculous things in school, as you know, how to dissect a frog, the Pythagorean theorem. Like, I have no idea why we need to know that. But if we were in charge of the world, I think we would learn how to do a budget or do our taxes or hello, do a business plan. That would be way more valuable than like an isosceles triangle or whatever. (laughs) Using your protractor. Um, (laughs) Exactly. So, I want to just get into the practicalities of this time and what it is that we should all be thinking about as we may be furloughed or laid off or our small businesses might be struggling. And even if that hasn't hit us yet, we should all be preparing for it because the world is in such an uncertain place. So, I mean, let's start with the basics. How should we be thinking about our personal finances right now? What should we be taking stock of? So you have to just cut back on everything. I mean, there's a lot of advice out there that goes, you know, that I don't necessarily agree with. The bottom line is you just have to rein it in. And I normally talk about a spending plan in the same way as I talk about an eating plan um, instead of a budget, because a spending plan, like an eating plan, allows for small indulgences so you don't end up binging later on. Like a crash diet doesn't work. You end up in the middle of the night noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake because you're so hungry and so deprived. The same thing goes with some sort sort of crash budget. So normally I break that down into the three E's, essentials, end game, and extras, where 70% of your overall take-home pay goes to the essentials. So your food, your housing, your transportation, all that jazz. 15% goes to the future you, so the future Sophia, your investments, your retirement, your savings, and then 15% to the extras. So whatever does it for you, the mani-pedi, the latte, like I argue for those small indulgences, um, because that's what we 
live for. Uh, but right now, I say change that allocation and go to a 65 for essentials. I mean, we're not doing a lot right now, so um, that should be relatively easy. Um, five for the extras. We're not even able to go buy the latte right now, so that should be um, pretty understandable as well. And then up the uh, end game and try to squirrel away as much as you possibly can. And when it comes to the essentials, negotiate everything you possibly can. I mean, everybody's in a shitty situation right now. And so call all of your major bill collectors if you haven't done that already and try to get a hookup, uh, try to get uh, an extension for the payment, try to get some money off. More often, they will throw you a bone versus losing you as a customer. But the thing is, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So you have to ask, even though there are some special programs in place right now. And if we want to ask for that, for example, and we've never made a phone call like that before to an 800 number where we're not sure someone's going to care about us on the other end, what should that conversation go like? Should we role play it? Yes. <laughs> okay, Hello. <cool. laughs> Hello. This is Welcome to AT&T. How can I be of service? Hi, uh, my name is Nicole, and I'm really struggling right now to pay my phone bill. Is there anything you can do about it? Let's see. What do you suggest? So right now I'm paying a hundred bucks and uh, I'm unable to pay that right now. So um, my friend said that there is a better deal right now at one of your competitors. Um, I'm probably going to have to close my account. I've been a longtime customer or I can pay $50 right now. Well, thank you for your longtime loyalty to AT&T. You've been a customer <laughs> since 2015. We appreciate it so much. And you're uh, I don't know, keeping your retaining you as it is a customer is really important to us. So we are offering an incentive of $50 off and one month deferral of your payment. So if that's something you'd like me to process, I'm happy to do that right now. That would be great. I would really love right now three months deferral. Is it possible to talk to your manager? Absolutely. Can you hold, please? <laughs> Do, do, okay, do, it's a podcast. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I was able to speak with my manager and we can extend the deferral by two months instead of one. Thank you so much. Um, I will get that $50 uh, to you and um, I will accept the two-month deferral, but um, I will be calling back next month to see if there's any more leeway that you can give considering we're all in this situation together. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else I can help you with, Nicole? Yeah, girl, the list is long, but I don't think you can help me with it <laughs> right now. Great. But it's click. Right? It's basically that. It's basically, you know, what can you do for me? I have this amount of money. If you don't take this, you will get zero dollars. Um, and often they will take that or work with you or give you a minimum payment that you can pay for right now. And when you're negotiating with your credit card companies, um, it drives me crazy when we don't negotiate our APR on our credit card. Like all of that is negotiable, even though it comes on a fancy paper and it looks very official. 
you can call and you can ask for a lower interest rate. Um, I've done it with a bunch of women just calling them up, asking for a manager and asking for a manager on top of that manager. Like it takes a little bit of time. Um, obviously, we expedited our little role play thing, but you know, it will pay dividends later on uh, if you try to do that. And if you don't even need a break, if you can pay off your credit card bill, still try to get a higher credit limit because your credit score is attached to your utilization score, which is like the lowest amount that you will use for the highest amount of credit there is possible. So if you have $10,000 or whatever, like just spend $1,000, for instance, try to keep it as low as possible. Today's sponsor is Vital Farms, who you might know for their pasture-raised eggs. It's in a black box. I think you might have seen it. In addition to eggs, Vital Farms has been making pasture-raised butter for years and believes that great ghee starts with better butter, and all that starts with the cows. Vital Farms ghee is a clean and versatile butter oil for every culinary need. It's made by cooking down butter to remove the water and milk solids which is called clarifying, which means it's lactose and casein free. Vital Farms ghee has a high smoke point so it doesn't burn or chemically alter at high heats, making it great for frying and sauteing. It's equally delicious on toast, in coffee, or drizzled on popcorn. And you shouldn't have to sacrifice quality for convenience in the kitchen. And that's why Vital Farms is the first ever ghee in a squeeze bottle. The complex goodness of ghee is even more convenient and ready to dispense, no spoon required. Look for Vital Farms Ghee in a Squeeze Bottle exclusively at Whole Foods Market in Original and Himalayan Pink Salt and visit vitalfarms.com slash ghee. That's vitalfarms.com slash G-H-E-E for a chance to win a year's supply of Vital Farms Ghee for free. Vital Farms, pasture-raised, bullshit free. And so we've talked about phone bills, credit card fees. I'm wondering where else we should be looking. Where else should we be digging around? Should we be looking at our subscriptions? Um, Should we be looking at what other things are recurring that we may not be paying attention to? Totally. So um, car, whatever you have for a car. Hopefully you don't have a car loan or a car note. Um, That's a whole other podcast. We can discuss that. Um, But if you have a lease um, or if you have parking, you know, I canceled my parking, for instance, because I won't be there, um, then go through your subscriptions. Absolutely. And see what you can either put on hold or cancel altogether. Oftentimes, you don't even know you have a bunch of apps or you're paying for subscriptions until you dig into it. And I have a balance sheet that you can come up with for your own personal balance sheet. So we hear about the states or the government having a budget deficit. Oftentimes, we have a personal budget deficit where the money we have coming in and the money going out does not match. Like They have to match. Otherwise, you're missing something. Is that called reconciling or something? Basically. Yeah. Okay. Matchy match. (laughs) Yeah. And then in terms of making money, right? A lot of us are out of jobs. Are there any side hustles or small things you think we can be doing to supplement our income right now? 
Yeah, absolutely. If you do have an emergency fund, this is the time to use it. So it's raining. Like we've heard about the rainy day fund forever. Yo, it's raining. So it's time to use that fund. Don't have guilt around that. Um, You will get it back. Ideally, you're going to try to have six months in the future of an emergency fund. And this is the time that we're all going to remember of why we need something like that. But you can have, you know, you know, that emergency fund uh, and continue to squirrel away if you're getting, let's say, a stimulus check. Um, that is your money coming back to you. So just remember that that's an advance basically on a tax credit. So don't go crazy necessarily with what you're doing with it. Um, ideally, you would want to try to scroll as much as possible. We've heard that there will be more. We're just not entirely sure. But if you're looking to make extra cash now, you can be a customer service representative. There are virtual assistant jobs. Um, you can list your skills on Upwork or Fiverr. Um, Virtual tutoring is another option, transcription services or translating services. There's another site called rev.com where you can list a lot of your skills there. Um, Rosetta Stone, they're hiring. They're one of a bunch of companies that are hiring, uh, which is great because it means people are way more productive than I am learning a new language uh, while we're in quarantine. So there are companies that are hiring for sure. You already speak finance fluently, so I think that is a second language. Thanks, Randy. And in terms of these stimulus checks that we've been hearing about, can you speak at all to that? How are they being given out? What are the particulars? Who's eligible? And how do we go about collecting them if we are eligible? So it's going to go based on your tax return. If you haven't filed from last year, it will go from the year before, so 2018 or 2019. And if you want it as fast as possible, you just want to make sure if you haven't already applied on the IRS website for a direct deposit because they're still confused as of the time we're talking about how they're going to be sending these checks out. So direct deposit is the best way to do that. Um, So just make sure that you have that all set up and uh, know that it is essentially an advance on your next 2020 tax returns. So be really cautious with what you do with that money. Obviously, bills are going to be, you know, one of the first things you should be taking care of, the essentials, paying down credit card debt, um, starting that emergency fund, even starting to invest or adding more into your investment accounts, um, trying to save on an online bank. I mean, there's no interest right now at banks, um, but try to look for an online um, high yield savings account. Again, it's not giving you a ton, but it's better than the bubkis that you're getting at a regular bank. If we're on something like public.com or another investing app or just have money in the market right now or even our 401k, we're watching a lot of these investments drop, which you know, is scary because we feel like we may not get our money back. What's your advice in times of recession for the money that we do have invested So put your blinders on. Uh, Don't make decisions when you're panicked or drunk. Um, And maybe you're both right now, which is totally fine. And I am sometimes these days too. Uh, 
you know, we've seen online a lot, like, don't touch your face, don't touch your 401k. It's true. I'm not usually down with cliches, but don't touch it or even add more to it. Um, stuff is on sale. So it's time to go shopping in the stock market. And the only truism I know from Wall Street, actually, there's two. There's buy low, sell high, and it's better to beat low expectations when it comes to earnings reports. Um, so when it's buy low, sell high, the the tricky part is that we don't know when the low and we don't know when the high is. So if you do have a long-term investment horizon, uh, so you don't need the money necessarily in the next five or 10 years, and you are dollar cost averaging, which is just fancy terminology for putting in little bits at a time, then this could be a really great time to either add more or get into the market. So dollar cost averaging would be like easy math. If you had $12,000 for a year, instead of putting all the $12,000 in today or tomorrow. You don't necessarily know if you're near the low or the high. You would uh, split it up and do $1,000 every month. So you're basically hedging for a lot of that volatility. Are you investing in the market right now? I am. Are there certain industries or companies that you feel strongly about right now or that you're investing in just out of curiosity, not out of financial advice? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think generally index funds, ETFs, which are exchange traded funds or mutual funds are the best way to go. Um, it's already diversified investment. Um, you know, you can, if you really want to get into the stock picking game, you know, more power to you. I wouldn't do that if you're taking, you know, a, a good chunk of your savings right now. I would say the easiest, fastest, um, you know, safest, generally speaking, way to go is to go through index funds. And then getting into and then getting into small businesses, right? Those of us who have employees, looking at our costs right now, our leases, our payroll, our benefits. Um, the all of the bills that we owe and the cash flow coming into the business, which for us has really, really dropped. We're an events business and we can't do a physical girl boss rally. So that's something that girl boss is experiencing right now. And, you know, it's a tough time and business owners are considering making tough decisions, which ultimately protect the business long term, but sometimes have repercussions for their staff. And you said it in an article for business owners to, quote, take a stand uh, in the areas we need to really take a stand with our employees and advise them of the company's position and our role in the pandemic. And uh, what would your advice be to employers who are having these types of considerations or tough, tough conversations right now? Yeah, and I'm I'm going through the same thing, and um, you know I think that it's how you treat your employees now that's really going to define your brand in the future. Um, you know. I'm looking at all of the SBA stuff to report on and also personally. So if you keep your employees, what we're hearing now is that your loan will be forgiven um, if you keep everybody on payroll. Um, and so that's a great incentive. I mean, that if you have anyone on payroll, you should definitely look into that. That was like a super sweet deal if you got approved for that. And that goes through your bank right now. So um, I've been hearing that a lot of banks are just overwhelmed by this. So try to go to the bank that you're already banking with right now um, and just ask if they're participating in the program and what kind of forms you need to um, sign up for. But, you know, I'm not a religious person um, and I'm not one for cliches, but I truly believe that we have to have faith right now, not just in the history books that will show we will come out of this. Uh, 
you know, this is what what markets do. Uh, they you buy the ticket, you take the ride. So Hunter S. Thompson, your way through this, and and truly know that like you can't jump off in the middle of a roller coaster. It's a shitty time for a lot of us, but in the end, I believe in you. I believe in me. I believe in entrepreneurs and innovation, and that's what the economy is made up of. It's all of us wicked, smart, crazy, innovative, uh, wildly entrepreneurial people. And I would bet on uh, us any day and especially during the darkest ones. So I think, you know, as transparent as possible with your employees, whether you're, um, you know, leading by example and not potentially taking a salary yourself, if that's something you can do. Um, But you know, have a conversation. I remember early on, um, the ladies that work with me, um, you know, I knew that they were wondering, like, are they okay? I knew that they were concerned. And so instead of waiting for them to ask, I just said, hey, listen, I know a lot of crazy stuff is going on. Just so you know, you guys still have a job. We're going to get through this. Um, so preempt some of those difficult conversations, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then for employees on the receiving end, what kind of questions should we be asking of our employers? You know, I think that it's really fair game to ask uh, what is going on with uh, salary, what's going on with the general uh, trajectory of a business, you know, how might you pivot, how might you be able to be helpful? Um, You know, I think that Right now, it's there's just more questions than answers for employers and employees. And as much as we can, you know, just have compassion. I know that we've heard this time and again, but it's true. It goes so far. I think ultimately your customers can feel that whether you lead with compassion internally. Um, and I think that that will ultimately pay most dividends to whatever your company is. And if it's going to be something completely different by the time we get out of all of this. As we all adapt to this changing world, we are all buying more things online than ever before. And if you're an e-commerce seller, I hope you're ready to meet the demands of our new delivery culture, quote unquote. So you should be ready and you can be ready with ShipStation. ShipStation is the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders so you can keep your customers happy. Whether you're selling on your own website or selling on marketplaces like Amazon, Etsy, or eBay, ShipStation will make your life so much easier by bringing all of those orders together. You can manage right from your computer or even on the go with your phone. And ShipStation even helps you figure out the best way to ship every package. You can create shipping labels for all the top carriers locally and globally, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, as well as some international couriers making global shipping a breeze. And ShipStation even offers discounts on shipping costs, the same postage discounts usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies that ship in bulk you get the same discounts. At Girlboss, we've saved so much time by using ShipStation. No more copying and pasting orders from a spreadsheet or searching for addresses. It helps us get packages out the door with just a few clicks. And right now, Girlboss Radio listeners get to try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code GIRLBOSS. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. 
Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Girlboss. That's ShipStation.com, then enter code Girlboss. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Have you been doing any soul searching? Like, you know, how are you? This is just off topic or just moving, moving to a totally different topic, not finance, kind of spiritual. Like, how are you using this time for yourself, right? Are you just back to back on calls? Are you thinking about, you know, what it is that you've been doing and how you could do it differently? Like, you know, I'm just curious because I've been feeling that way and I think a lot of people might be feeling that way if we're lucky enough to feel that way and some of us maybe have, you know, put been put in a position to be asking those same questions, which is a little bit different, but how are you using this time? Yeah, you know, I personally, it took me a minute to digest what was going on. I didn't put anything out on social media. I was more quiet than normal. And I just needed a minute myself. And, you know, I I think that I needed to get to a safe spot. I needed to digest what was going on with the economy. Um, and And that's okay. I think that for me, I wanted to take a pause before I figured out a strategy and all that stuff. So I'm definitely not on back-to-back calls. I am trying to be of service. And I I ordered a whiteboard wallpaper thing (laughs) that I put up that actually did come from Amazon. And so I'm, I'm just trying to think, what is the next month look like? What does the next year look like? And obviously, it's totally different than what you and I thought um, in the beginning of this year. But, you know, I have before uh, all of this happened, I got a new tattoo uh, on my arm that says there will be time. And I look down on that and I and it's a line from T.S. Eliot poem. And I, you know, I think about that a lot. Like there's going to be time for girl boss rallies. There is going to be time for advice. There is going to be time for analysis. There is going to be time for investments in the market and your career. There is going to be time for dates and uh, going out to dinner. And there's going to be time to create and for, you know, there's going to be time for all of this stuff. And so, you know, I just keep reminding myself of that. Um, And not every day has to be a productive day. Not every day um, has to be anything. And so I try to give myself grace. I try to give the people around me grace as well, um, as we're all in this together, truly. You know, time is your most valuable asset. We're always going to get more money. Like if you get into debt, if you fuck up in some ways, like it's okay. It's all going to be okay um, when it comes to, you know, you can always get more money. You can, can't get more time. And, you know, I think this is a really interesting time to pause and think about. Absolutely, you can think about purpose. And, you know, the stuff that we have right now, like, it makes me think, why did I ever have, like, more clothes than <laughs> the five things I'm wearing right now? Why? Like, we, do we need all of this other stuff? And, you know, I've lived in New York for the last 10 years and New York is not New York right now. And it scares me. I don't know if New York is going to be New York and uh, if it's not, and now people are down with working remote, um, then where is that? place that I would want to live. And if this is the normal, what, what does that look like as well? So yeah, I'm a big fan of reverse engineering to figure out the life you want and then reverse engineering to figure out how to live the life you want. You know, I often think, gosh, if God forbid, you know, we got this um, virus, you know, is this how I would want to be spending my last week 
on this planet. Um, and it's heavy, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot going on right now and it's okay. It's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. It always ends up being okay. Everything always ends up correcting itself, including the stock market. I want to jump back because this is usually how I start the show. I thought it was more important to talk about some of these more practical things and your expertise. But I ask everybody what their first job was because I think it can be very informative, uh, you know, to what it is that they did much later in life. And there's always something that we learn from our first stupid job. Mine was at Subway, right? I was a sandwich artist. So I'm not talking about the stock exchange. I'm talking about, you know, your first, was it babysitting? Did you work in a coffee, coffee shops? I don't know became a thing. I don't know how old you are, but like, I don't, I don't know anyone in high school that worked in a coffee shop. Jamba juice, maybe. <laughs> anyway, what was your, what was your first job? My very, very first job, I think was selling knives, like selling knives. Okay. To that's weird. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I grew up at, you know, like super broken home, needed to start working early on, um, just needed money. And I wanted to be, well, early on, I wanted to be a writer, but like a poet writer. And so ultimately, I became a writer, just not the kind I expected. Um, I definitely didn't think it would have to do with business or finance. So yeah, I I sold knives because I needed money. <laughs> that's that's what I did. Um, and then like my first kind of legit job was as a local news reporter in Lexington, Kentucky and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then I was uh, like on the I team at, at CBS in Palm Springs, like back in the day, a million and a half years ago. Um, but knives was like, knives was the beginning. Where did you source these knives and who did you sell them to? Um, it was like, it was kind of like a, you know, like an MLM. Um, and so I I got solicited. I haven't thought about this in forever. Um, you got scouted I, like a Yeah, I got model. scouted. <laughs> totally. And I remember going to this like sketchy little um, interview area. It was almost like a casting call, but for being a knife salesperson. Um, and then you had a brochure where you and like a tester set of knives where you could show and display the knives. You know, I think that from that, if I had to guess, um, I probably learned how to make like unsexy things feel fun and unique. <laughs> and so maybe that helped me later on when I tried to make finance, which seemed probably as boring <laughs> as looking at different knives. Um, sexy and fun and interesting. I don't know. Selling knives gave you chops. Yeah, Ha-ha. girl. Ha-ha. And now, you, now you give other people <laughs> chops. So you're still selling knives. Was there a moment where you got a break? Like we're talking about selling knives and then we're talking about, you know, local reporting. Was that after college? Because I know you were a valedictorian and, you know, had honors and accolades, you know, when did you know that you wanted to talk on television? I did not at all. Um, I, when I was in high school, so those local news jobs were actually while I was in college. I never wanted to be in college. I just wanted to get out and start working. Um, but when I was in high school, I actually went to performing arts high school. So I went to LOXA in LA, um, which is like the fame school, but I was a dance major growing up. And I thought I wanted to be a dancer, but I was a okay dancer. Um, and I 
definitely got it out of my system, but I like a lot of angsty teenage girls like wanted to figure out what I was good at and where I belonged and all that stuff. And so I I auditioned for this like super cable local hyper local cable access channel 6 newscast or whatever. And I wanted to be a movie reviewer and I wrote this little movie review and I auditioned and that was it. And everybody had to audition to become the anchor person. And I was like, oh, I have negative interest in all of that. I actually wasn't even allowed to watch the news growing up, um, which is a whole other podcast. But uh, I did it because everybody had to. And then the list went up and I wasn't the movie reviewer. And I was really pissed. And I was like, God, I'm not good at anything. I'm never going to figure this out. And, uh, and, but I was the anchor and I didn't any, like, I walked away from the list. I was like, another thing I suck at. And, uh, I was the anchor and I didn't even realize I was good at that. Um, and so I, yeah, I was like channel six little news anchor lady by accident. Grammarly is an incredible tool. I live in my inbox and I type really quickly and sometimes I make spelling errors, believe it or not. And Grammarly has been a lifesaver. So whether you're communicating with your team online or working on a project, Grammarly is the digital writing tool you can always rely on to get your message across clearly and effectively. Grammarly works across multiple platforms like Gmail, Google Docs, and Slack. Grammarly is the digital writing assistant that helps more than 20 million people put their best words forward. Signing up for a Grammarly account is free and gives you real-time spelling and grammar checks as you write. And if you want deeper insights on your writing, Grammarly Premium gives you advanced feedback on tone, word choice, punctuation, and more. I've really enjoyed Grammarly Premium, specifically the vocabulary suggestions, because it's always great to keep that dynamic. We never want to be redundant. We also want to sound as sophisticated as possible. And even those of us who are writers always, always need that help. Get 20% off Grammarly Premium when you sign up at Grammarly.com slash girlboss. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at Grammarly.com slash girlboss. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash girlboss. You've had an interesting ride as a woman in finance, of which there are just not as many of as men. Uh, The field's really male-dominated. What has that experience been for you? Do you think that there's been some unique challenges as a woman? Oh, totally. Uh, When I started... Uh, when I was 18 on the floor of the exchange, I um, I was one of, I think, two women. I, I noticed that because the bathroom was a lot smaller. The, the women's bathroom was like a little closet. And then there was a huge men's bathroom. Um, and also, I didn't know that this crazy dress code was in place. So I wore little kitten heels, but those were too high. I had to go home one day. And then they almost actually put fingers next to my, uh, like above my knee because your skirt couldn't be, I think like more than four fingers or five fingers above your knee. Yeah. That was real life. Wow. Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, was there a point, I mean, cause finance is, is, is a grind, 
right? The finance industry. Uh, and I know in your new book, Becoming Superwoman, you teach women to go from burnout to balance with a simple 12-step plan. And burnout is something I think a lot of us who are employed right now are, are you know, working to save our jobs and really grinding 24 hours a day, not making TikTok videos, not doing live yoga and all the stuff that we're seeing every influencer do on Instagram that makes us feel bad about ourselves and why aren't they working? And that's maybe that's just my own complex. Do you have a burnout story and what is your advice for those of us who are approaching burnout or at burnout? Yeah, I I had a pretty serious burnout um, after my second book. Um, I had a complete mental, emotional, physical breakdown that stemmed from years of burnout and I couldn't even tell you that that's what it was called until I had an emergency admittance to the hospital that made me rethink everything and the way I was working. Um, and some people were like, yeah, you know, maybe you shouldn't have written a, another book. And that was it. It was it would have been fine otherwise. And I don't think it was a book. It wasn't like a show. It wasn't a one particular thing. Um, I've thought a lot about this. I think it was a lifetime of smoldering embers that finally caught fire and incinerated everything in their path and not some spontaneous combustion. Um, you know, I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma and PTSD, which I didn't even know folks who didn't go to war could have, um, like a chronically abusive, um, unstable upbringing that I never dealt with. And I just self-prescribed not drugs or alcohol, but work. And um, you can't you can't work and and hide from that. And I used to think that when I got to a certain level, then I would be happy. When I got, you know, to this job or to this salary or to that book or to this accolade or whatever the fuck, then I would be happy. And I would get there and almost immediately I would change the goalpost on myself. Um, so it wasn't, you know, that job. It was then another job. And and it was never enough. And I never got my brain to the other side of balance or happiness. And, you know, when I started doing this last book, I did a bunch of studies around women and burnout and found that we're reaching burnout and breakdown levels like never before, even before all this crisis, pandemic, chaos happened. Um, and I think it's because we have that equation wrong. And I think we're seeing that um, really highlighted right now, that it's not success that makes us happy. It's actually the other way around. It's that happiness and studies have shown that happiness makes us more successful. And there's you know, a, a Jim Carrey quote that I have in the last chapter of um, Becoming Superwoman that's like, I'll probably butcher it, but it's, you know, I hope everybody becomes rich and powerful and famous and gets everything they ever wish they wanted so they know that's not the answer. Um, and it's true. And I think, um, you know, we try to be superwoman, the character who is tries to be it all and do it all and be all things to all people. So ultimately, she is nothing to herself. And I think therein lies the issue. So I wanted to be a superwoman, a super space woman, a woman who put her oxygen mask on first before helping others. And I know we're not on planes right now, but they don't say that on planes before takeoff just to waste time. You know, it's totally true. If you, you can't be of service to anyone else if you're crashing and burning yourself. And the interesting thing about these studies that I did with women and burnout is that we're reaching burnout and breakdown levels, the 80 and 90% ranges. And yet only 50% of us think that the pace of our lives is unsustainable. Now, granted, a lot of that has changed because we've changed the pace of our lives. But essentially, we're saying, yeah, we're on the verge of burnout, but like we're good, nothing to see, nothing to see. And there's a huge difference between swimming and just not drowning. And I think that's where a lot of us are. We're just not drowning. Um, and that's way different from swimming and living the life that you want and truly deserve. 
Oh, I mean, I can't, I can't even tell you how much I relate to what you just said. Um, you know, as you've, I think, you know, thought about, wow, this isn't about infinity pools or accolades or, you know, the, the right shoes or whatever people think success brings us that makes us happy. How are you making room for yourself without struggling to, because this is, this is just a personal question and I should probably talk to my therapist about it. I go to therapy twice a week. Um, but you know, I find that when I have time, I just kind of spin out and I'm like, what do I do with this? What is this time thing? What am I, how do I nurture myself? What am I supposed to do? Meditation, whatever. I'm just curious, you know, how have you restructured your time? I'm sure you're still super duper busy, but those moments that you get outside of, outside of work to evade burnout, what does that look like for you? Yeah. And, you know, for years I would go to a therapist too only when I was in triage mode and I was really embarrassed about it until, you know, and I'd go and I'd get like happy pills or whatever. That's what I thought they were. Um, And then I would leave and I'd feel better and then I'd stop taking them. And like you said this earlier, and I only bring this up for this reason, not because like being valedictorian, like N350 will get me a soy latte. Like it doesn't matter in life right now. Um, But I had no idea. Like I was a valedictorian of Northwestern and had no idea, first of all, about personal finance and second of all, about anything mental health related. And so I just thought all like antidepressants were created equal. So if I felt sad, I would take my friends. That is so dangerous. Like if I were in charge of the world, not only would we learn um, personal finance and business basic literacy, but we'd also learn about emotional wellness. And after I left the hospital, I went to an outpatient program that really helped me, um, a DBT class, which um, is dialectical behavioral therapy, which teaches super basic skills that I didn't learn. And even if you had like a rainbows and butterflies childhood, if you're like, listen, I'm not girl interrupted level like you are, Nicole, um, I'm going to be okay. That's fine. We're all struggling with something. And that's why all my books are 12 step plans, because the first step is admitting we have a problem and we all have problems. Um, And you know, I think that those basic skills were so helpful to me. They were interpersonal effectiveness and mindfulness and emotional regulation. Um, these are skills that are going to help you in your career more than negotiating, more than uh, networking, more than emailing or any of that stuff. Um, it's truly, you know, how you carry yourself. Um, and the mindfulness meditation stuff, like it didn't work for me either, Sophia. Honestly, I was like, I don't understand this. Everybody, these CEOs and whatever I talk to really credit meditation. And I'm like, what? You're sitting in a room silent or you're getting an app or you're paying $40 to be silent. Like, I'm so confused. I have so many questions about this. I can't do this. And so I just tried to rethink what that really meant. And for me, I liked doing random classes. So I did when this was still a possibility. Um, I did like a latte art making class or I did um, an archery class or a tomahawk throwing class or like the weirder, the better, a dream catcher making class. And I found myself just focusing on that. And that was meditative to me. So it wasn't meditative in the traditional sense where you're doing like Om Shanti stuff, but you are just focused on that. Like, and the repetitive nature was really helpful for me. 
I find cooking to be that for me because my hands are dirty and I can't touch my phone and I'm actually creating something, right? Like it's, it's, it's just like, I mean, I'm not like a master chef, but uh, it's, it's a type of art in a way. It's a med, it can be really meditative, especially if you put on Enya or Sade, which I do, (laughs) or Eric Satie or any kind of classical music. Um, It's amazing how music can change your environment and how you feel and your, um, and your mood. Um, yes. Are you on pills right now? Are you in antidepressants? Um, yeah, I've been, um, on Wellbutrin, like I've been on a variety of different things. Um, but you know, that works for me and I know that this is not a, it's not a triage mode situation and we work on so many other aspects of ourselves and our health, um, that, you know, at the very least, like checking in for a therapy session is something that I used to think like, oh yeah, I I can cancel that, no big deal. But I can definitely feel the difference. And I do, um, you know, at the height, I had twice a week and then I would go through like EMDR, which really helped me, um, which you can't do remotely right now, but um, that's like a different type of trauma therapy. And it's not like, it's not a super fun day to be like, yo, I'm going to trauma therapy. It's like, yeah, you don't really feel like opening up all this stuff. Like you don't feel like getting a colonoscopy, but sometimes you just have to do it. And I think the self-care stuff, and you've talked about this a lot, um, you know, like, it's. I think it's gotten to a place where we think self care is just pedicures and deep tissue massages. Which, like, listen, I am. I am down for a good pedicure and deep tissue massage, just like the next girl. But I think, you know, going to trauma therapy or going to therapy or going to the doctor or taking care of yourself, you know, that's ultimate self care. I agree, and thank you for sharing that with us because I think there is a lot of stigma around mental health, around antidepressants, and I'm personally on Prozac and a little bit of something called Lamictal, which is like a mood stabilizer. So I'm like somewhere on. I'm not like I don't go into full manic states or full depressive states, but it certainly helps me, and that's something I haven't really talked about on Girl Boss Radio. Um, And it's important also to note that any kind of you know, treatment, um, you know, pharmaceutical should always be in addition to working with someone and working through, you know, it's not, it's not like a panacea. It's something that can augment our ability to process things and get through our day to day, which for some people is just that alone is challenging. Um, so I thank you for sharing that. And I've never, I don't know if I've ever asked any, anybody that um, on Girl Boss Radio. And so I have a few more questions and just on the, you know, in the vein of slightly more personal questions, which uh, I ask everybody here on Girl Boss Radio. Um, we have, you know, we have this concept of success and right, you have a book called Rich Bitch and you're like on TV and, you know, there's, I think, from the outside, right? If there's a lot that you've shared with us that uh, is very relatable, and and you know, as you as you described, success isn't just the accolades and the whatever it is that makes you feel like you're quote unquote successful. You know, redefining success is really important, um, and that can mean a lot of things for us, both professionally and personally. What is your what does success mean to you right now, Nicole? It's such a great question. Um, I think, you know, for me being like outwardly, oh, she's got it all, 
together um, was just an interesting dichotomy of, um, you know, my my father was uh, a super brilliant uh, doctor, but also a drug addict um, and an alcoholic who ultimately died of an overdose. And so this sort of public success and private pain was almost ingrained in my DNA. And so when people would be like, yeah, you, it, you look so put together, it would almost, you know, cut so deep that I felt so broken on the inside. Like I didn't feel as put together as I might have looked. And so, you know, I think now success is, um, is being able to, it, it probably heard it on the show before, but like live life on my terms in a way that I'm really proud of, like truly only to me, do am I? Do I wake up? Nobody else has to wake up in my skin. And so, you know, for a long time, I would, I think, I would live for other people. And so, I think success is is being proud of the life I want to live, and like only having that be the litmus test. We have this thing called Girl Boss Moments uh, here on Girl Boss Radio, and we've done it since the beginning. It's really a moment in your most recent life where you did something you were proud of. And I think, you know, we have a lot of, my boyfriend made up this word, girl botch, which is just kind of like, it's not even, doesn't even rhyme that well. But it's a, it's a tough time. It's, it can be hard for some of us to find those girl boss moments right now. What is your most recent girl boss moment? Whew. Um, aside from this moment right now, um, being with you, uh, no, I think, uh, I think most recently it's, um, it's just been in the response that I've heard from, uh, women asking about like what the fuck is going on with the market and actually in a very small way like defining some of these words we talked about this earlier um you know being able to speak the language and if i can teach people to speak the language i that's why i rewrote dictionaries this may be why i was single for so long um because i rewrote you know a, a financial dictionary in the back of rich bitch because <laughs> i'm apparently no life. But um, but breaking down like what basis point means, I got this amazing note of this woman that was just like, um, you know, I never, I never, I read all of these things. I could never figure it out. It was so easy when you said it. And I was like, you know what? I think that that's the first step um, to getting your financial life in order is like speaking the language. So like basis point, for instance, I mean, a bunch of Wall Street people, as you know, talk about like it's a fancy way to talk about percentages, which I was always yeah, yeah. like one basis point is like 0.01%. And then like 10 basis points is 0.10%. And then 100 basis points is just fucking 1%. Like you don't have to sound so fancy. Um, but it really helped her when she was like negotiating or looking at her mortgage or, you know, you know, giving herself more confidence and credit um, that she she wasn't – she felt so dumb in conversations. And so, you know, that's like – that's the moment. Those are little moments that, you know, nobody necessarily sees. I'm sure you got a ton of notes. And when I'm feeling – crappy sometimes I just like open that up and you know when I used to cry about boys and whatever I was like let me just like open up the inbox and see some of those moments those girl boss moments where I'm like you know what maybe I was put on this planet to to do that and that's okay that I'm not married and have babies <laughs> right now which again is a whole other podcast <laughs> Yeah, same. I say I think it's an I think it's an important time for those of us who have any space to help other people, any room to help other people, any anything we can share 
that will help the people around us um, as many as possible, especially those on the front lines um, in the hospitals, but also those of us who are really struggling with this isolation um, and financially, uh, what we can all do, and we all have something to offer, if we can afford it, if we can offer it, we should be doing. So it's so great to hear that you're doing that, and thank you for doing that for everybody who's listening to Girl Boss Radio today. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, Again, put your oxygen mask on first and take a stand and figure out, or don't just be intentional about it, I think. Um, But if you can be of service, um, take that option for sure. And thank you for being of service. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much, Nicole Lappin, for joining us today on Girl Boss Radio and dropping so many incredible gems of advice for all of us about our finances, business, and personal. And thank you for tuning in. I, I hope what we're doing here at Girl Boss Radio is keeping you a little bit more safe, a little bit more sane, saving you a little bit of money. And I hope out there you're staying healthy. I'll catch you next week with even more goodness from Girl Boss Radio. Girl Boss Radio.